Well, thank you so much, uh, Nancy, for sharing with us. Um, while we're here together, uh, we want to open God's Word uh, for the last few minutes of our time together. But first, I see some people fanning themselves, so I wonder if a couple of you on the edges could maybe just open the uh, windows just a little bit to get just a little, a little fresh air through here. Or should we vote on that? Yeah. I, we tend to think of the Christian experience uh, through the lens of um, of our own experience. So, you know, as as Americans, we tend to think of the Christian experience through uh, the eyes of an American and all that that would mean. And I think in our culture, we live in this this kind of strange tension between um, our faith is woven into the fabric of our nation. And yet, at the same time, we often feel like outsiders in our own nation. So it's this kind of weird tension that we, we live with as Christians here. And so I think it's really great for us to hear uh, about what God is doing in other parts of the world and what it means to be a Christian for them. And as we do that, we discover these commonalities from the beginning. And uh, today we're going to look at a passage that talks about that very thing uh, as we continue in our series in First Thessalonians Chapter 2, verses 13 to 16, I just want to invite you to turn there in your Bibles. There's, uh, there's an outline in your, your bulletin as well. So there once was this man who was, uh, you might call him a sincere patriot. He was sincerely patriotic. He loved his people. He loved his culture. He loved the national traditions. And he was really uh, upset when anyone tried to mess with uh, his culture, he was uh, sincerely patriotic. Well, he was also sincerely uh, religious. He was a God-fearing man, you know, very moral. He was really devoted to understanding and following uh, the Scripture. Uh, he was offended by immorality or when people uh, disrespected the Scripture. So this guy he was sincerely patriotic, sincerely religious, and sincerely wrong. Uh, he was wrong about the thing that mattered most. He was wrong about Jesus. And this could be uh, the story, this could describe a lot of people. Uh, maybe it has described you before. Um, but I'm referring to the Apostle Paul. This is basically his story. He was passionately patriotic, passionately religious, but mistaken about Jesus. And so Jesus did him the favor of appearing directly to Paul he uh, blinded him with the light, knocked him on the ground, and had this very short conversation that changed everything, and it went something like this. The Lord says, uh, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I'm Jesus. That very short conversation changed everything for the apostle Paul. Because if Jesus really is the Lord... Jesus is the master, he's the, um, he's the awaited for Messiah, he, he's God, then this makes all the world in the difference who Jesus is. Well, since uh, Jesus appeared to Paul, uh, he believed him, and uh, he starts telling everybody else that this Jesus from Nazareth is, in fact, the Lord. And so what happened was all his patriotic, religious uh, countrymen uh, decided they wanted to kill him. And so this big transformation took place. Um, so he was uh, ostracized by his own people, an outcast among his own. Well, for a while, he was in this real awkward limbo place because uh, his own 
patriotic uh, religious countrymen wanted to kill him, and his new fellowship of believers, they were afraid of him, and so, you know, nobody liked him. Uh, but Barnabas came alongside, brought him into the family, and, uh, and we see this transformation take place where someone who was headed this one direction, mistaken about Jesus, turns around, becomes a follower of Jesus, uh, the persecutor becomes persecuted, and the one who, uh, who identified primarily with his culture now becomes part of a new tribe, a new family, a new community, and that is the community of faith. So our big idea today is that when you feel unwelcome in this world, take heart, you are family. <laughs> You're family if you're a follower of Jesus. So years later, uh, Paul and his missionary team, they hear that the Thessalonians are, are dealing with all these difficult things in opposition, rejection. And instead of responding to, uh, to these new believers, something like, oh no, we're so sorry this is happening. You know, something went terribly wrong. Instead, they respond something like, welcome to the family. <laughs> We've all been there. And uh, it's actually the way that these new believers responded to the opposition was further confirmation that they really were part of the family of God. So as we look at these, these uh, verses, I just want to share two things that I think we can be really encouraged by, um, especially on those days when we feel like maybe we are unwelcome in this world or unwelcome sometimes by our own. So starting uh, or picking up in verse 13 of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, uh, they write this. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So when you embrace the gospel, you take on the characteristics of your new family. Um, God's word actually does something in you. It is alive and active and, and supernatural. And, uh, and we can take heart realizing, okay, I haven't just joined a club or a movement, but something supernatural is going on in me, and God is shaping me more and more like his family. Because when you, when you believe the gospel, they, they accepted their message as, as God's word. And it says that it began this work in you who believe. So God's word and God's spirit do this transforming work in us when it takes root in our souls. When we, uh, by faith, receive Christ as our Savior. Uh, this is... This transformation is partly, I think, the natural result of just spending time with Jesus and his family as we start to take on this family resemblance. But it's far more than that. It's a supernatural work of God, the sanctification that he does in our lives. And so we see this all the time. And it's an indication that uh, this thing is real, <laughs> uh, the work of God changing lives when we embrace the gospel. For, for the Thessalonians, we saw um, earlier in this passage that when they believed, they turned from um, being idol followers or idol worshipers to being um, solely, uh, to solely giving their allegiance to God. So they did something really countercultural. They turned from idols to God. 
Um, Zacchaeus, in his story in the Bible, he gave up this lucrative tax business and started just giving away his money to the poor. Paul stopped persecuting Christians and joined the Christians uh, as they were being persecuted. And so you and I, you know, if we've been around the, the faith a while, we can think of many, many examples of God's transforming work. Maybe you could tell your own story in that way, where people come to Christ and either, either overnight or through time, they are freed from, from addictions in their life. Or the guy who was, who was grumpy and, and, and mean, he becomes gentle and kind. Uh, the, the one who was, was stingy becomes generous. And we just see this transforming work happen in people's lives. Sometimes uh, people note that when people are married a long time, they start to look like each other. I don't know if that's necessarily always true. Or sometimes people even start looking like their pets. Uh, I, I heard this be true. Uh, I don't have any pets, so I don't know what it would look like. I start looking like our teardrop camper or something. Uh, so you spend time with somebody, you spend time in God's family a lot, and you start to take on these, these characteristics. So uh, all this, I, I think, uh, Paul is saying this is just confirmation that, yeah, they, God is really doing a work. We can be encouraged. This is real. This is, um, we're, we're part of the family, and we're taking on the family characteristics. Well, when those in the culture that we live in, whether that's here or in Bangladesh or wherever, when, when people see those changes in your lives, some people are, are totally drawn to that. It's like, wow, that's the guy who was always a jerk, and now he's kind and generous, and uh, what, what's that about? And they want to know more, and they're, and they're drawn to that. But other times, we come to uh, be a follower of Jesus, and he's doing a transforming work in our lives, and people are, are repelled by that. From the beginning, the gospel has had this kind of dual uh, effect as it comes into a culture where some are drawn to it and some are uh, repelled by it. The, the offense of the cross. Sometimes uh, a, person's, uh, a person's character becomes more wholesome because of the effects of, of Christ in their life. And that comes across as, as judgmental to, to others who don't share their faith or their their sole allegiance to, to Christ um, is read as treachery against things that other people uh, give their allegiance to. And so it causes this, this conflict or this disconnect. And this has happened from the beginning. And so secondly, we can take encouragement in this. When you embrace the gospel, you share in solidarity with your new family. So uh, if you feel a little out of line with or in conflict with um, the culture that you live in, um, you are sharing that with the saints all over the globe and all throughout history. So verse 14 says, you brothers. Um, these people weren't related at all. Uh, they were different. They live in different areas, uh, different cultures, different ethnicities. And because they're shared faith, uh, this missionary team says, you, know, you guys are brothers, you guys are sisters, you're family. Brothers, you became imitators of the churches in Judea. You, you had the same experiences that they had, just like it happened with them, just like it happened with us, just like it happens uh, in Bangladesh. Uh, you're experiencing all the same thing. It says, you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from 
the Jews. Um, the very first Christians were, were Jewish, and uh, they were rejected by their, uh, their fellow Jews. Uh, the Thessalonians, uh, they were rejected by their fellow Thessalonians, um, and on and on and on. Whether that's uh, in, in Jerusalem or in, in Greece or in Chiapas or Indonesia, Somalia, Iran, Uzbekistan, wherever it might be, we see the same thing happening over and over again. And, and what happens, there's a couple of results here, is first when we kind of realize our connection with the whole church of God everywhere, um, we stand in solidarity with the suffering church. We realize, okay, uh, it's relatively um, easy to be a Christian here, but at this point in time, it's not at all easy to be a Christian in this place or that place. And we start to pray more. We, we advocate. We, we pray some more. Uh, we, we help. We, we do whatever we can because we realize these, uh, this is family, our brothers and sisters. Uh, I have uh, some kids in Escondido, uh, some kids in England. And if they're going through something uh, difficult, uh, I care about that. <laughs> I'm very in tune with that, and I want to help them. Uh, just because, you know, they're in England, I don't think, oh, that's their own problem now. Um, and so the family of God, we need to realize, hey, we, we got family all over this globe, and we need to be praying for, advocating for, humbly learning from uh, the rest of the family. Uh, there, there's a website that's helpful in this way. I, I think I wrote it on your, your notes. It's persecution.com slash global prayer guide. Uh, if I didn't write it there, it's also up behind you. And it just profiles these different parts of the world where there's different levels and kinds of opposition. And uh, it's a way you could read through there and just pray uh, informed uh, for, uh, for your brothers and sisters in the family of God. So we stand in solidarity with the suffering church. And secondly, we're not surprised by opposition from our own. So when... When uh, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy write to these new believers, they say, hey, uh, yep, we told you this was going to happen, and it's happening, and uh, we're praying for you. We're really thankful that you're holding up under this, uh, under this opposition, and uh, this is what Christians have always experienced, and uh, at time, different times in different places always will. So sometimes we watch the news we're disheartened by the unchristian worldview that seems to be adopted by our, our nation or by our state or by our town or whatever it might be, and we need to uh, not lose heart. Um, maybe you dread going to like a family reunion because uh, the rest of your family doesn't share your faith and you have been um, ostracized by your own people uh, for your, your love for Jesus. Um, we, we can take, take heart. This is the common experience of followers of Jesus. You, you share the company with, with Jesus himself. John 1, verse 11 says, Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They, they rejected him. Um, the, the experience of the first believers in Judea, the experience of Paul, the experience of the Thessalonians, 
where they, they were rejected by their own cultures. This should come as no surprise. We don't need to freak out. We don't think, oh, well, God did something wrong, or he, he left us, or he's forgotten us. Nope. God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, in our uh, time of singing worship songs this morning, um, we sing uh, Blessed Be Your Name, a uh, reference to Job, I believe, where the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but... Blessed be his name. He's worthy to be praised. We, we also sang of the old rugged cross. Our, our master uh, didn't have this you know, easy life and then send us off to do the work. Uh, he, he led the way. He endured what we could just never imagine. I think all of this helps us put it in perspective a little bit. So we join with Jesus and Paul and Timothy and the Thessalonians and our brothers sisters all over the world who love their own, we respect our own, we care for and show compassion to those, uh, our neighbors and those of our our own countrymen, so to speak, Um, but we realize that our real uh, eternal family, our eternal home uh, is in glory, and nothing can take that away from us. So we can be encouraged. On the days it feels tough to be a Christian, we kind of hear the voice of Jesus and of Timothy and Paul and our brothers and sisters all over the world saying, uh, welcome to the family. <laughs> you're, you're, you're one of us. Um, and hopefully, as we are more and more aware of what the big family of God throughout time and throughout the globe uh, it, you know, lives with and has lived with and deals with, that this will cast... Um, a new light on, uh, on our own lives and the way we relate to our neighbors and, uh, and the governing authorities and all these things just should really not surprise us. Um, it's, it is great to know that God's word uh, is doing something real in our lives and we are all part of this enormous family that spans centuries and spans the whole globe. Um, and for that... Even when days are hard, we can give thanks and be encouraged. So I want to invite the team back up as we, as we conclude, and uh, let, me, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, you have not asked anything of us that you have not gone through first. And so we, we look to you as our, as our role model and guide of how to um, how to face uh, life when it's difficult, in particular, how to face uh, the Christian life when it's difficult. I pray that you would give us, um, that you would encourage us with your word and your spirit, that you would um, give us new eyes to uh, the big, great big church that's around the world and the, the very um, intense day-to-day real uh, difficulties that are faced on account of their trust in you. I pray that you would uh, make us more compassionate and that these things would not catch us off guard, but would just cause us to cling to you ever more dearly and to long ever more for your sweet return. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand together as we sing this closing song.